Welcome, everybody. Uh, we are going to be doing our first episode between the frames here. Uh, for those who may not know, um, my name is Oluwana Mendoza. I am a filmmaker, cinephile, photographer, wherever you want to go with. I do a lot of stuff. do stuff here. I do stuff on the Nerdcore uh, Twitch channel and YouTube channel and all that wonderful stuff. Uh, between the frames, we are going to be looking at several films, and we look at the whole makeup of it. And the analysis, the visual, um, the visual extent of the film. We look at what just makes the movie the movie. And we'll get into conversations about what the movie is discussing and what the movie is trying to say. But also about how that is amplified by the camera, by the sound, by everything that goes into creating a film. And these won't be with guests for now. I don't plan on that right now. I think it would be cool for me just to go with it one-on-one with everybody else here. Uh, what what up, what up, uh, Matt? Thanks for being here on, on YouTube, man. Thank you. Uh, this show will be live every Monday at 1 p.m. on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, but you guys can always catch the replay later. And, um, yeah. Uh, how, how are you doing today, Matt? Hope all is well over there with you. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about this because our first film that we were discussing at here at Between the Frames, we're looking at Lars von Trier's um, self-proclaimed Depression Trilogy, which is uh, Antichrist, Melancholia, and Nymphomaniac, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, Today, we're starting off with our um, journey into Antichrist. Um... I will go ahead and read off information about it and stuff, but, um, yep, I watched the Criterion, what's it called, a copy of it, because I bought it during the sale, the last flash sale, and, uh, yeah, I, it's pretty good copy, really enjoyed it, uh, really, because I've seen the DVD version of this one, and, uh, that was the last actual, I think it was, like, the last DVD I ever watched, because I, yeah, I can't do, I think, I think that DVDs are 720 or 360p. I can't remember. I mean, 440. I think it's 440p or something like that. I can't do it anymore. Just do Blu-ray or 4K. It's just, yeah. So, um, I bought this one and I watched it last night. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) I've got some thoughts about it, you know, on the second rewatch, but... Yes, today we're discussing Antichrist. Next week will be Melancholia. The week after that, we might split it up and do Nymphomaniac Volume 1 and Volume 2. Or if I can just knock out both films together, we can discuss uh, Nymphomaniac as a whole. But um, yeah, nice nice criterion. Thanks, man. And thanks for being here, bro. Um, have you ever seen uh, Antichrist or you watched anything from Von Trier before? Uh, Von Trier is quite the divisive filmmaker, very, um, I mean, it's, it's not far-fetched to call him a provocateur, even though I believe his movies have a lot to say, even though they are very provocative, and they have a lot of things that are, you know, pretty hard to stomach when you watch his films, but I think Lars has a lot of stuff to say within his movies, and, uh, I guess that's why I just (laughs) enjoy the guy so much, um, so, let me just go ahead and um, get this ready here. We can go into, like, just go ahead and give you guys, like, just, what's it called? Um, <clears throat> general information about Antichrist. And I will, um, of course, give you all, um, you know, my wiki, the Wikipedia entry because, yeah. Let's go, I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to go in there and give you a whole detailed. That's what Wikipedia is here for. Antichrist is one of only five Lars von Trier films I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I've watched, um, I think, so I've only watched this one and uh, Nymphomaniac, even though I own I own uh, Melancholy, I need to watch it soon. I have, I, I also own uh, The House of Jack Built, and I need to watch that soon. And also I have been wanting to watch uh, Dogville and, uh, and, Ra- and Breaking the Waves. That's another Criterion release that I kind of want to grab because I heard it it's, it's a really good job with the, uh, with restoring uh, what was what what was of uh, break, breaking the waves, but um, yeah, he's a very 
provocative filmmaker. Um, he he doesn't shy away from showing what he wants to show, and that can be a bit off-putting to some of the general audience. So it's why he gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes. And he also, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, got he's been in a little bit of controversy himself. Uh, oh, I also own uh, Dancer in the Dark. I need to watch Dancer in the Dark. Uh, getting vaccinated, brother. So I'm gonna be hopping on and off. But uh, but like, but I dropped the like and can't wait to hear your thoughts on this masterpiece. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mikey. Uh, good luck with your vaccine, man. Let me know how you feel. Uh, today's symptoms just started to die down already. I'm I'm feeling tons better. Arm isn't sore anymore. Uh, the nausea went away, and um, I'm just doing way better, Mikey. And uh, hope you have a safe. Uh, time and I hope that you uh, yeah that everything goes well for you man yeah if you want to just dip in and out you know and listen that's all good breaking the waves the dancer in the dark the idiots antichrist and melancholia yeah yeah uh, the idiots is one that I've heard about but I haven't had the chance to watch either so I, I really do need a what's it called uh, catch up on those films from Frontier so here we go let me go ahead and read the Wikipedia entry for uh, <laughs> for, for antichrist um Antichrist is a 2009 experimental psychological horror film written and directed by Lars von Trier, starring Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg. It tells the story of a couple who, after the death of their child, retreat to a cabin in the woods where the man experiences strange visions and the woman manifests increasingly violent sexual behavior and sadomasochism. Narrative is divided into a prologue, four chapters, and an epilogue. The written in 2006, while Von Trier had been hospitalized due to significant depressive episodes, the film was largely influenced by his own struggles with depression and anxiety. Filming began in late summer of 2008, primarily in Germany, and was a Danish co-production co-produced by several other film production companies from six different European countries. After its premiere at the 2009 Cannes Film Festival, where Gainsbourg won the festival's award for Best Actress, the film immediately caused controversy with critics generally praising the artistic execution, but remainly strongly divided regarding its substantive merit. Other awards won by the film uh, include the Robert Award for Best Danish Film, the Nordic Council Film Prize for Best Nordic Film, and the European Film Award for Best Cinematography. The film is dedicated to the Soviet filmmaker Andrei Tarkovsky, who was alive between 1932 and 1986. Antichrist is the first film in Von Trier's unofficially titled Depression Trilogy. It was followed in 2011 by Melancholia and then by Nymphomaniac in 2013. And um, it's an hour and 50, oh no, 48 minutes. An hour and 48 minutes. And uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> I'll, I'll go talk about I'll talk about um, some of the things here though but hold on let me check chat here Aiden uh, what's up oh what's up man yeah Aiden what's going on man uh, glad you're feeling good my dude appreciate the kind words awesome thank you here we need Michael to join the we need Mikey to join the discord yeah um, actually when, uh, if you can get an invite out to Mikey please yeah I didn't know that he wasn't in the discord um, but uh, go ahead and get an, uh, uh, what's it called an invite to the discord uh, for the nerdcore, but, um, yeah, um, uh, when, so I don't know how I didn't catch this the first time, uh, when I watched the DVD version, when I had, um, rented it from my library over at my university, I did not notice that it was dedicated to Andrei Tarkovsky. Watching this a second time, I really do see those Tarkovsky, what's it called, influences, especially when you're going back into, well, flashbacks when you're going into the white and black and white uh what's it called scenes of showing the kid and the couple having sex it's, it's very reminiscent of uh of Tarkovsky and the way that he would like you know in you know interject those scenes to go back into like you know um what's it called a classical Russian history and you would look at all those uh kind of painting-esque uh frames and I saw that and I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's awesome!" And I, I know that I know that Von Trier is a big fan of uh, of uh, Tarkovsky. He's um, he loves his films, and I was just uh, pleasantly surprised that um, the Andrei Tarkovsky was um, was this film was dedicated to Tarkovsky. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of Andrei Tarkovsky. Uh, I own Stalker, Andrei Rublev, and uh, Solaris. On my uh, Criterion collection here, I watched every single film of Andrei Tarkovsky except for Andrei Rublev. Uh, Andrei Tarkovsky is probably one of the greatest 
uh, directors that have ever lived and one of the most prolific and poetic people who have ever made a single piece of art and uh, he's he's rightfully deserving of uh, of being considered possibly the greatest director of all time and um, it is a shame that he lived as uh, only as short as he lived because as you can tell here I think it's um 40, 5, 6, 7, I don't know, 50, 50, uh, 54, he only, he only lived to the age of 54, and, uh, that's, that's a very sad thing, because he's, a he had a lot left to, uh, give, but he left us a good amount of films, well, not a good amount, well, you know, he left us a small array of films, but they're films that are, phew, take so much time to, uh, to analyze and to really look at the backbone of it, but, um, yeah, this film is, <laughs> I I love this film, um, and that kind of makes me feel too weird to say that I love this film. Uh, I have this on a 4 out of 5 on my letterbox. Uh, I gave it a 4 out of 5 on the first watch, and it's still at a 4 out of 5 on the second watch. I think that this movie is great, but it's a movie that really doesn't sit as well as Nymphomaniac sat with me on my first re- on my first watches of Nymphomaniac. When I watched Nymphomaniac for the first time, I was just amazed at what what Lars did with that film and all that he was doing in it. And in this one, it's just more of a it's because I could really understand more of what Lars was trying to say within Nymphomaniac. But in this film, I was very much um, not confused, but I was a bit you know torn between what I think that Lars is trying to say and what Lars is trying to depict on here. And of course, as I read more into into Antichrist and I, and I you know, you look at the title itself, you know, you kind of think about, oh, you know, it's got this kind of biblical allegory of a film, of what's it called, a biblical allegory or, you know, uh, something else within the film being discussed. I, I think that, I think that this is a good opener to the Depression Trilogy, but I don't think that it's like, it's Lars' best work, even though he remains to me probably one of the best directors of uh, of uh, best directors out there. Hold on, y'all. Okay, hold on, hold on. Just let me get a what's it called? Uh, let me go. So sorry about that, y'all. I had to take a quick, quick, quick call. But um, I was on... Yes, uh, this film, I you know, I, I, I watch it a second time. And I really, really, really... Um, it still fascinates me the way that it fascinated me the first time. But I, I think this time around, um, I it's very... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's hard for me to actually pull out an analysis the second time, even though I have an idea what what Lars is trying to say, but I don't think I'm quite there yet. I'm gonna try today. I'm going to try with you all to give you all what what I what I thought about um what I think this is trying to say, but I I I still watch this and I'm kind of like oh, man because there's a lot of things going on. So you know, of course, we start the film with um with Charlotte Gainsbourg and Willem Dafoe having sex. The uh, the windows open in their apartment, and the child is walking up, walking up to the window, and you know the the child falls out the window, dies. What's it called? We we uh, we go from there to Charlie Gainsbourg became becoming severely depressed, and Willem Dafoe is a therapist, and he decides to you know to to what's it called treat his wife, which is you know not a thing that's supposed to happen. It's not it's not it is not um it is not recommended that the what's it called people what's it called therapists treat their own. Uh, their own partners or their own family members or anything like that because, uh, you know, ethics and all that. And things start getting out of control there. You know, she, she becomes, she, she becomes, you know, more and more sexually violent. She becomes more and more um, sexually repressed and, you know, they go off into the woods and they stay there where apparently there was a, there was an issue where the boy had gotten lost well, gone in, lost in the woods, and she, what's it called, didn't actually lose a boy, the boy was in, you know, in the, in, um, in the storage room, and we find out also that, you know, she had been creating a deformity on his feet, 
while he was growing up, with, what's it called, by giving him the wrong shoes that are be, supposed to be on the wrong foot, and then um, we you just find out more and more about this couple and what's going on, and we find out how, um, how unstable uh, both of these people are. As we go on, it becomes even more and more violent and things get a little more and more, you know, unsettling. Um, yes, uh, there are some very, very gruesome scenes here. Um, I I hope that everybody who is in here is 18 plus because I'm going to be talking freely with my language uh, because I, uh, I think we're all old and I think we're all old enough and we all are mature enough to discuss what happens in this film. And uh, what happens in this film is very much very graphic. So, um you all don't want to hear about that, then I understand if you do not want to keep on listening. But, you know, of course, um, you know, Charlotte Gainsbourg, what's it called, uh, you know, hurts. Charlotte Gainsbourg's character, she she hurts um, his his groin and, her, you know, does some stuff to that. You know, she she mutilates her genitalia and she does all these things. And, and it's, it's very unsettling to see all these things, but... Um, we're, we're 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 I mean at its core I think we're watching this couple and who have very much had problems with problems even before then they had pro they have problems they have problems but um the death of a child brought some very what's it called unbalanced more more disbalanced to the to the relationship and now they're there and they're very what's it called um now they, now they're um now they're falling apart and obviously this man wants to stay around her his wife because she he loves her he loves her but even though there's problems there at the house she wants to make sure that she still feels like she's being taken care of and she's loved she just he decides to go ahead and treat her when he when he shouldn't be treating her and things open up a little bit more there open up and you open up Pandora's box and start going into the various consequences of having to partake in that um you know, there's a lot of uh, conversations being here, being had here about mental illness, about um, depression, uh, the biblical allegory that is kind of this film, and I'll go into more of that, uh, because I think to really understand, to really understand uh, this depression trilogy, you really have to understand how Lars is at the time. You know, Lars's father just died. He's very depressed. He's 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 basically making these very three therapeutic films that he's talking about what's what's going on in his head and i think maybe that's why this film feels like it's all over the place at times because i think we're really diving into Lars's psyche here we're we're di- we're diving into um what's it called what what he uh, how he feels about you know where his place in the world and how he feels like as a writer as a director as an artist but also about the sadness that the extreme form of sadness that is coming with his mourning and his grief because he just lost some lost uh, his father and yeah it's just it's a it's a it starts going off there and things get a little bit more and more um centered around this couple and there is just uh i want to say though um the cinematography is beautiful uh and usually i'm i'm usually when i when i watch lars I watch Lars because of the subject matter, and I really watch Lars because I think that he tackles his subject matter so interestingly, even though it's very fucked up. His 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 uh, his camera his camera choices and stuff because he's exclusively a digital guy, if I remember. Like he he's he's been a digital guy for a long time. He's done his work on like most of the new like Aries and Alex and what's it called the uh, Reds and. They're always like big, what's it called, uh, nice looking cameras. And he gets these very interesting shots. Of course, you get one where uh, Willem Dafoe is like, you know, what's it called? Um, got, the, got the hose and he's like sprinkling water. And it's like a slow-mo shot of the water coming out of the, uh, of the hose. And you're, you, get, you get these awesome, nice, like pretty cool shots, which I'm not going to lie. They are pretty cool. But he's always had a thing with his grading, his color grading that I was always kind of like off put by. I'm like, ah, like this. It feels way too saturated. The clarity is way too up. Uh, but I think for this, for this, it works because we're kind of inside of a hellish nightmare of a dream. You know, we're kind of looking at this really as we're looking at the origins of man itself. Um, and that's why I think that the, the cinematography works and the lighting aspects works a little bit more than it needs to. Uh, the sound design, of course, uh, there's no score. 
in this absolutely no well other than the beginning song that's playing during those black and white uh, frames of uh, of the of what's going on in the house as they're having sex uh, the, they have the song there in there and the song during those other scenes that follow by that are in black and white that's the only score you know the sound design of of course like you know the items around the house and how much stuff is like being crushed and like that and yeah like those those are pretty good but uh, usually this is a very visual movie. It's a very visual movie. It's a very writing-based movie. What's being said, not just in the frame, but also what's being said from what's being dis- what's being talked within the dialogue. Uh, of course, we have a lot of animals showing up. We have a deer. We have a fox. We have a ticks, insects showing up, and really what all of those represent. And like we say, like it's discussed, the film is broken up between an epilogue, four chapters, and a prologue. I mean, I'm sorry, a prologue, uh, four chapters, and an epilogue. Our prologue is our our conflict about the child dying. Uh, our epilogue is what happens after, you know, Will, what's it called? Willem Dafoe's character kills Charlie Gainsbourg, and our and this uh, big uh, what's it called? Uh, army of women just surrounds his area and starts to um, kind of settle in this area that he's built. And um, yeah, um, it's I think that it works well when you have these four kind of chapters going on in there. Um, I think it helps uh, break up the story. Uh, I'm glad that it wasn't like this really long movie where you're kind of breaking it up into like chapter after chapter, like where you have like seven or eight chapters. But you have just four very important chapters. You have um, you have broken up between uh, the conflict, um, the initial stages of, of grief. You have um, you have uh, what's it called the, the very extreme form of, of uh, depression. You have where there's some sort of resolution starting to happen where you see Charlie Gainsbourg's uh, what's it called character trying to go back into the light. And then we have our um, our fourth chapter where it really starts just the absolute action and just the, the, the madness is ensued within our characters and we start seeing what's going down and, and, and just all the violent sadomasochism that begins to happen between the couple. Uh, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry. Now, the biblical allegory, um, this is where I tend to get really, what's it called, uh, into this. And I really start to, um, what's it called, um, really start to think about what I think I saw last night when I rewatched this film. Because now, of course, I watch it, and I'm thinking now, because, you know, when you watch films like these, at first, you're because you probably heard something, you're like, oh, you know, there's this really bloody scene there's this really like really gruesome scene in this movie and you're just kind of just watching the movie waiting for these things to happen. You're not really concentrating on what the film is trying to say. You're just waiting for like the moment that this very graphic and violent thing is about to happen and you're just sitting there and anticipating it and after you're done you're just kind of thinking about what you saw within just the um, violent nature of what, what was just put on your TV screen or your, or your, your screen. The second time around, I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen. So I don't have to really like prepare myself to see what's going to happen. Excuse me. Um, I don't really have to prepare myself to see what's going to happen. Because I know how bloody this film is. I know how um, how unsettling it is. I know where I'm going to kind of like, you know, kind of get chills. And where I'm going to kind of get like, you know, a little queasy. Uh, and instead, this time I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, what's Lars trying to say here? What is Lars trying to talk about here? What is Lars trying to, what's it called, to get to more? And of course, like I said, we talked about, you know, you know, the depression and the, and the mental health and uh, the mental illness aspect of this, because of course that's very prevalent here as it's made by a man at the time who's very depressed. And he, you kind of get, you know, a really big depiction of a major depressive disorder in here. But what I did notice was, um, you know, first of all, our characters are just called he and she. Just a man and a woman. That's the only two characters in here. The only other thing that, the only other, the, the actual person who's called anything in this film is uh, the child. It's called Nick. That's it. We don't know Willem Dafoe's character's name. We don't know Charlotte Gainsbourg's name. And uh, we don't know anything else. We don't know who they were. Like, we see people because we saw that funeral scene. We saw those people. But they never speak. We don't see them any time after that. We we never we never revisit those characters. We are simply concentrating within he and she. 
And then they, of course, they go to the woods, which is called Eden. And so in a way, you're thinking about, you know, the Garden of Eden. So in a way, if you could think about it, this is Adam and Eve. Uh, now, there is no tree. There is no apple. There is, um, you know, throughout the film, Willem Dafoe's character is thinking about how how uh, Charlie Gainsbourg's character's biggest fear might just be Satan. Um and yeah, I mean, you can think about that if we're thinking about, you know, the story of Adam and Eve and falling into temptation and that apple is put there. And if they eat it, you know, then it begins this, um, the, the, um, then it begins the curse of the, uh, not the curse, the, the course of original sin brought onto mankind. And, um, also you find out that Charlie Gainsbourg's character had been writing a whole, what's it called? A thesis on, uh, violence against women. And she was, did some research about all that stuff, but she also throughout her research started to kind of change her mind. And she came to the conclusion that women are inherently evil and, um, you know, and, and how gynocide and all these things there, like it's some very, 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 uh, what's it called difficult stuff to kind of sit through when you're kind of hearing it being talked about and Willem Dafoe calls her out on it and talks to her, tells her about how like, you know, you're supposed to like, you know, talk about why the violence against women is bad. And instead you're agreeing with it and, and trying to justify why it's happening. Uh, but in a way it's, we, if we, if I could speak freely here, we, we sit around here and we, we think about the story of Adam and Eve and, you know, who is the one who, who is the one who gets blamed for buying into the apple and starting the course of, uh, of sin? You know, it's, it's Eden. And for generations and generations after, and in the course of history, we have seen women be at the forefront of being, of being, um, of being blamed for a lot of the things that are going down, you know, uh, the, the Salem witch trials. Particularly, women were hunting down, um, and then you look at it in modern times, where we see a lot of the very, uh, very what's it called, the constant um, evidence of feminicide, uh, not just you know in Mexico, but in other parts of the world, and how these things are very prevalent, and and women still to this day have been taking the forefront of a lot of these problems and been blamed for it. So it's not it's it's not surprising that you know that this. Um, that there would be come to the conclusion that this very biblical character has come to the conclusion that that the woman is the problem here, and and um, in in a way that's where I start kind of see the whole idea of Adam and Eve being here in the origins of man. But you know, there's there, I don't think Lars is completely trying to subvert the blame to Charlotte Gainsbourg because there are very there's many instances like there's a specific instance. Where Charlie Gainsbourg seems to be okay, but Willem Dafoe's character is in a state of shock, or more so as if he doesn't really want to accept that her his wife is better now, so he just doesn't react to that. And even Charlie Gainsbourg's character says, "You can't, you 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 just can't let me be happy. You know, you just can't let me be." be all right with myself and let me just uh, for once feel happy even though I've been here with you and I've been going through your treatment you've been treating me and I've been and I've been doing the work and this one day where I'm actually feeling happy you're just in shock and you don't know what to say and it's in a way you just don't believe me that I'm happy and I we go on from there and, and yeah and I think that that Willem there's a lot of stuff being blamed on Willem first of all Willem should not be treating his his, his wife in this film Willem's character should not be treating his wife. Uh, I think I've reiterated that quite a lot already. He should not be treating his wife. Um, he should be there as a husband. He should be there as a partner. He should be there as somebody who has, what's it called, uh, who, who just lost a child too. And in a way, yes, it is Willem's character is also going through his, through the way that he has to process his mourning and his grief. But at the expense of wanting to fix Charlotte Gainsbourg's character at the way that he wants to fix her. And making sure that 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 he that she is the one thing that needs to get fixed here because there's no problem with him. And I'm not saying this to justify Willem getting you know brutally brutally what's it called hurt, getting a you know a freaking wrench or not a wrench like a I think it's like a like a big screw kind of drive through his foot and being put a weight on it, or um, you know having his uh, groin area hit and being and, and ejaculating blood. 
uh, you know, none, none of that, and none of that is deserved, and none of that is, what's it called, justified, but this relationship is not uh is not a just one-sided uh what's it called relationship here there's no one thing that one person has done wrong here they're 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 both i think at, at, at what's it called at fault there's a lot going on in here um so i was just like i i um i think about just the nature of what we're looking at and what we're thinking about when we look at the biblical allegory here and in a way it's a retelling but a better version of how we should look at the story of Adam and Eve. You know, you have these two people alone in a garden who don't know the implications of sex. They don't know the implications of temptations. The apple of Eden here, the apple, the apple in the garden of Eden to me is represented through uh, sadomasochism and the extreme form of sex that they have. Um, because of course there's one part where um, they're having sex and of course, Shayla Gainsbourg wants him wants him to hit her. He wants him to hit her, and he tells her, "If you don't hit me, you don't love me." Uh, which, once again, it's a very uh, Stockholm syndrome kind of view of uh, abusive relationships, where it's you know we've all heard it before that phrase. Uh, if he hits you because he loves you, which is a bunch of bullshit because it's not true. It's not true. Um, you know, somebody who loves you would never put their hands on you. Uh, but she says it multiple times, and and when she can't get him to hit her, and he says, "Well, I guess I just don't love you." Um, she 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 loses control. She goes outside to the tree to this tree. She she you know she masturbates, and uh, she she you know Willem goes on to kind of fight not fight it. He he tries to fight his temptation, but he walks out. He goes to that tree. In the in in the in suppose this supposed Garden of Eden, if we look at it like that, he he has sex with his wife on that tree. He hits her multiple times, and I think that that I think is where we start our um we start our branching into this, what's it called um into opening this Pandora's box of all the bad things that are about to happen after. Because uh, that that is our bite into the apple of Eden. That is our bite. That is our original sin. That is our trip into what's it called? Uh, losing ourselves within this uh, space. So things get a little bit more hectic there, and you know, uh, you know, you know what what happens after? She, he gets, hits his groin. He ejaculates blood. The weight is put on his leg. You know, he's trying to find her. He he goes into this uh, hole with a fox who was. What's it called? Who the fox who told him that chaos reigns and he was disemboweling himself and he was eating himself alive and he, you know, in a, in a way, it's kind of showcasing this kind of self hate that is put into us humans, like this this self hate of us who have had to live with the the who have had to live with the repercussions of our mental health being declining of our mental illness. And us learning to, uh, us us brushing it off as self-deprecation and saying like, oh, it's just my humor. But like, it's it's still a form of self-hate and, and you're putting it on yourself and you're just damaging and damaging yourself more and more. And that's kind of perfectly represented with the whole fox just eating himself alive in this garden, in this, in this, in the woods. And, you know, he's there, what's it called? Charlie Gainsbourg picks, gets him out and, um, you know, he says... What's it called? Uh, she says that when the three beggars arrive, someone has to die. The three beggars, I believe, are the uh, crow. It's the crow, the fox, and the deer. Um, hold on. Let me just take a sip of my Coke here. <sighs> Thank you. Hoof. What's it called? Uh, I'm thirsty. Uh, if anybody in here, let's call this, uh, following on with the conversation, guys, let me know. By the way, I do accept, um, I do accept uh, donations to uh, streamlandelements.com slash the Nerdy Chicano slash tip because we are currently trying to raise money for the next couple of rounds, the last round of, film, of crowdfunding for Before I Leave. The Indiegogo will be up soon uh, for the last final round of it, but... Um, right now I'm taking like donations on my streams and stuff. I will be taking donations on, on, um, on Wednesday for Energy Gun Live. We're doing it today too. So 
Let me just put the link in there in the chat. The Nerdigano slash tip. Yes. So just uh, right there. Um, if you guys would like to. All right. That's that's awesome. Why didn't? Uh... Oh man. Sorry guys. Um, I seem to have put the wrong one. Sorry. Let me put the right link in there. Oh wait, no. Don't I just have a tip? Uh, command. There we go. Yeah, tip. Um, for those of you who would like to tip, please uh, streamelements.com slash dnergigano slash tip. And uh, just, uh, you know, if you're feeling generous, go and throw a donation. We will, uh, you know, if you have a question, go ahead and throw the question in there and I'll answer it. Please, uh, like I said, we're raising funds for the last round of uh, crowdfunding for Before I Leave. Because we're going to be starting production on May 21st through the 23rd. And we'll be finishing up and heading into post. But, um, yeah. You know, they, she says the three, when the three beggars arrive, someone has to die. And, um, of course, we find out that Willem Dafoe is not the one who dies. Because, um, you know, he, she, he gets a wrench. He takes off the weight. And what, whatever it was. I can't, I don't know if it was a screw. Or if it was, um, or if it was, um, what's it called? Like a, like the, the bar that you put the weights on, because obviously there's a weight attached to it, but it's kind of got this swirly pattern that looks like it's a screw. Uh, but I'm not sure if it is, I have to kind of rewatch it, but you know, the, the, the weight's taken off, the bar's taken out of him, slash screw, whatever it is, right? And he strangles and murders uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg's character. And then we get our epilogue, and he's standing on top of the hill overlooking the whole woods, and this army of uh, women with their faces blurred out just come into his area, and they just start to inhabit this. Um, and, you know... I, I, when I saw that, there's one thing that kind of, that, that, what's it called, that, that kind of came to my head. Because um, I'm, I'm thinking about the biblical allegories within this film. And as I've stated before, you know, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, religious uh, subtext is very interesting to me. And um, it's, it's not something that I, you know, subscribe to, but it's something... Um, I, I look at it and I'm like, huh, I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. And, and there was one thing that came to my mind. And I don't know if if this is a Bible verse or something. Let me let me check. Yeah, Matthew 5, 5. Matthew 5, 5 came to, um, came to my mind. Um, and he said that, uh, the, hold on. I th I, I, did I put the wrong thing? Yeah, Ma Matthew 5, 5 came to my head. Um. You know, it's just, what's it called? Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, so blessed are the gentle, shall they so shall they inherit the earth. But we've also heard the idea of like, the weak shall inherit the earth. The, the earth. Um, I, 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 I believe that's what we're seeing. You know, we have this character who's, Supposed to be the meek, but like, let's be real. Um, you know, he's got just as much things wrong going on with him um, than Charlie Gainsbourg character, and I think that I think that's why we're actually seeing the origins of man and origins of the human race because we're seeing, you know, this influx of women coming into this area, populating it, and then of you know you don't have to be you don't have to be a scholar to know what's going to happen. Willem Dafoe is going to have sex with most of these women, start to populate this area, and we start seeing the growing of the human race. Um, um, <clears throat> but here, I was trying to search what's it called, what exactly the meek means. The meek, uh, quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on, the submissive. Um, but... That's why, well, that, that doesn't make much sense. Well, okay, well, here's where we get into a really interesting conversation. Is, is Willem Dafoe's character submissive? I do believe he is. I think, I think Charlotte Gainsbourg's character is the dominant person. 
even though she is the one who's asking for that pain to be inflicted on her during sex, she is still inhibiting dominant behavior. You know, the sub is Willem Dafoe. He's following the orders. He's doing what she's asking her to do. Many times, she has, he, has, he has reinstated that he will do anything for her. He will do, he will do what he needs to do for her. So, in a sense, yes, this, this Bible verse kind of does go into what we're doing here. We're, we're talking about how the submissive people will inherit this earth, will be the ones to repopulate the earth because they're the ones who take the orders. They're the ones who do what needs to be done. And these people who are so dominant, they're the ones who are placed the blame of, of, of creating sin. But who was the one who was taking orders? Who was the one who was doing everything they were asking to do? Who's the one who sh- should have taken the upper hand and not done most of the, most of the things that were d- being done here? Uh, so it really makes for an interesting conversation about you know the the role of 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 uh, of the the role of uh, both at the role of the actual role of Adam and Eve within the creation of within the creation of man. What are you ranting about? No, we're not ranting, Yuri. Hi, what's what's going on, man? Um, I don't know if you should be hearing most of these conversations, but um, uh, we're here for the uh, first episode of Between the Frames. Uh, I'm talking about the film Antichrist. Uh, it's going to be like a weekly thing I do here where I talk about a film. What's it called? Uh, what's it called? What's it called? Um, where I talk about a film and all the things that happen with it and what the film is trying to say. I'm very busy with school. Uh, why not? Oh, because I was just talking about uh, genitalia mutilation and stuff like that. So, you know. Uh, but then again, this is an 18 plus stream. If you're in here, must mean that you're you're 18 plus, right? Um, <clears throat> but... Yeah, the, the meek will, the submissive will be the ones to inherit the earth. And in a sense, you know, we're, we're, we're thought, we are thought of, we're, we're, we as men who benefit from the patriarchy, who have been benefiting from the creation of gender norms and gender and, and, and through the idea of gender, which is, you know, such a flawed, uh, what's it called, construct. We have, we have benefited from the patriarchy. We have benefited from, from gender roles. We have, we have seen that women are supposed to be submissive. Women are the ones who are supposed to bend to our rule, our ways. But in this film, we see the man bend to the ways of the woman. We see the man do what the woman wants. We see the man fall into temptation of what the woman wants. The woman wants the man to hit her during sex, to violently hit her during sex, and then go outside and and, and have sex with her on that tree. Uh, thank you, thank you, um, Yuri, for for uh, lurking. Thank you so much. Um, she wants, he wants, she wants him to do that, and he does it. So who really is the submissive person within here? Who is really the person who is 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 the is is supposed to be the imbalance within the the uh, gender normality? Um, so I think that's what, 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 um, what, what, what's it called? Um, um, I think that that's what Lars is trying to say. I think Lars is trying to say we're both, we're, we're both, we're all kind of imbalanced creatures who, who have no idea what we're doing, who, who fall into the uh, temptations of our minds and our heads and, and we get lost within the dark corners of our minds and we get lost within, within the, uh, terrible things that go through our heads and the intrusive thought, the intrusive thoughts that, that, um, that lay in there, and we are we are, we are slaves to our heads sometimes, and, and that is not mutually exclusive to the uh, to the gender that you identify with, um, and and the idea of this being the origin of man, you know, it's a very flawed idea, and that's why I think this is more of a of a representative version of the origins of man, where where um, where we feel as if. Both parties are at stake for what's going down, and going forward, um, this this man who has now just lost his child and his wife will have to probably fall into the same cycle as his wife, and this is where how we will continue on, and we will kind of create this origins and this and this civilization that will that will revolve around this woods, um, and um, yeah, that's. That's kind of uh, everything I wanted to talk about with uh, with Lars von Trier's um, Antichrist. Let me see what's it called. How much time we got here on the um, on the what's it called um, on the Twitch screen on the stream? 
because um I don't want to just end on the on the on the what's it called uh, on a cup. Oh no, look, we went for the full. We almost went for the full. We're almost at the full hour, but um I like I said, I love this film. Um, I it's not one of my favorite movies of all time, but it is one that I'm very very I'm constantly fascinated by. Just because of what is trying to be said and what's being shown in the film, and how it's a ve- it's a very unsettling film. I'll tell you this right now. You know, it's not one that I'm gonna put on as a Sunday comfort movie that I watch on the couch and help everybody. I had to wait for my mother to finish to go to bed so she so I could watch this film because I didn't want her to walk in during all these scenes. I didn't really want to explain myself about what is being is going on in this movie. It's it's a, it's a movie that I think you need to approach. When you're um when you're ready to approach it, but it's a movie that um still has very much a lot of things to say, and that's why I think that it's a, it's, it's a fantastic film. Uh, of course, the camera and the whole uh, set design of it, in, in the woods and the cabin, and just how everything works so well, especially the lighting, the lighting setups, and how everything is very in a dark, very uh contrast contrasty uh you know environment with you know usually ha- faces are both what's it called a cover faces are usually half covered and with a with a really hard shadow on the other corner and um and just how 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 unsettling the blood looks like when it's coming out it's it's a very it's a very visually beautiful film uh you know of course Lars uses a lot of his visual motifs and his visual um his visual, you know, trademarks like snap zooms, uh, very documentarian kind of, uh, what's it called, tracking shots, very on-the-wall type of uh, camera camera angles, and he's he's not he's not a um, how can I say this? He's not a steady director when he's when he's directing his DP. He's not a steady director at all. He's a very um, he he he's very. He really wants us to feel like we're there. He wants us to be there. He wants us to walk with the characters. He wants us to feel like we are intruding within the acts that are being committed by the characters. Um, and I think that's what makes him so so. What's it called? Though? Good though. That's what makes him so so um so such a genius to me. And just how he kind of and of course he 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 overdoes it sometimes. I know in Nymphomaniac and I'll probably talk about it. I like you don't have to keep this documentarian way of filmmaking within this film. It sometimes works and doesn't, but I got to hand it off to the guy. I mean, it takes a lot to get a visual style for yourself and it takes a lot to um to what's it called um to it takes a lot to have something that's yours and to say that oh this this right here this is my visual style. Uh, whether somebody likes your visual style or not is not the per- is not your par- is not the prerogative, but the fact that you have one, you know, it's something I I respect directors for. Uh, I always respect them. You know, like I don't like Zack Snyder's visual style, but I will always respect it because it's hard to find a visual style and it's hard to have one pinpointed on you. Um, so it's you know it's 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 a very um it's um it's great it's great and um and I and I and also just um. The acting, Charlie Gainsbourg, one hundred percent deserves that nomination, uh, that award. She's she's incredible in this film. Charlie Gainsbourg is just an incredible actress. I love her in *Nymphomaniac*, and I even love her so much in this movie. So um, I can't wait to see what she does within uh, *Melancholia*, and I can't wait to talk about it next week with you guys. Hopefully, there'll be some more of y'all in here, but uh, it's okay because you guys can still watch the replay and you guys can check out what I'm what I'm talking about uh, on the replay. So um, yeah, um. I can probably, I do need to go feed dogs, so I'm probably going to say goodbye here, and I uh, hope you all have a wonderful day, and as always, um, you know, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please go and subscribe, I'm very close to, to you know, hopefully getting my custom URL when I get to 100, so please go subscribe to me, just search up my name, Raul Alejandro Mendoza, or look, I'm going to put the YouTube channel link on, um, on, on, what's it called, um, on my on my chat. Excuse me. Um, on Wednesday, we will be doing our. Um, I was sorry about that. Um, on Wednesday, we will be doing a episode of the Nerdy Gonna Live. We're gonna be having Aiden Kosick come in with us, come on the show with me, and we're gonna be talking about 
the role of the audience within the film industry. And, and, and we're also going to be talking about a bunch of other stuff that's going on in our lives. So guys, go please subscribe to this channel. Click click to my click on my channel and go um, go subscribe. Get me to 100 subscribers because I really do want that custom URL. It's a lot easier when we, I have my custom URL and I don't have to put all these different... I don't have to go to YouTube, grab my link, and put these all these random ass numbers. So please go and, um, go and check out my channel and uh, subscribe to it. On Wednesday, we'll have that. And I believe on Thursday, I should be getting my copy of World of One Car Y from... From uh, from Criterion, so I'll probably do a surprise unboxing stream, and we'll probably play some games or something. We'll see what's up, but I'm gonna go ahead and uh, get going here. I hope that you all had a wonderful time, and I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation that was being had here. I don't have enough viewers to raid anybody, or let me check if anybody's up for a raid. <laughs> Let me let me know, let me know guys in the comments on the YouTube on the YouTube uh, uh, on the YouTube video how I did if you guys enjoyed this conversation if you guys would like uh, if you guys would want to know what would like to see what other movies I would uh, bring to the table to discuss on this series uh, just let me know how I'm doing uh, because not, the feedback is a necessary part as always even though I'm not here I'm not gonna be streaming right after after the after I go offline you can still send a donation to www StreamElements.com slash TheNerdChigano slash tip, please. It all goes towards the the crowdfunding for the last round of uh, the last round of fundraising for Before I Leave. And if you have any, put any questions in there, I will be answering them on the Nerdy Chicano Live uh, on Wednesday. So um, please, guys, go and do that and help us out. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye. It looks like nobody is uh, is available to, like, to get a raid. Let me see. How much how many viewers do I have? I have one viewer. So what's it called? I'm not gonna yeah. I think it'll even show up. So um we'll see. We'll see. Let's hope on Wednesday we have enough viewers for a raid. But um this was the first episode between the friends and I hope you all had a lot of fun. I'm gonna go ahead and see you guys later. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. And uh, just uh, take care of yourselves and hope you all um have a wonderful wonderful day. Goodbye.